Welcome to How Do You Write? I'm your host, Rachel Heron. On this podcast, I talk to authors about how they write, what their process is, and how their lives fit together. I'll keep each episode short so you can get back to writing. Hello, writers. Welcome to episode number 31. Today, we have a real treat for you. We're talking to Gwenda Bond, who is fantastic and funny and fun. And if she lived in my town, I would insist that she be my friend, which is super obnoxious and stalkery. So it's actually good that we don't live in the same town, but I can still be friends with her on places like Twitter and things like that. I'm sure you will love listening to her. She is just a doll. A little catch up before we get into the interview. It has been a good week. I... I'm approaching time in a new way. I talked about this last week and I talked about it in my writer email that went out over the weekend. I am approaching it with a plan and I am accepting that everything that I have to do for my business is work. In my head, it's been a hard, I've had a hard time differentiating between the time that I'm writing and revising and the time that I'm doing all the other crap, including things like banking and Twitter and newsletters. All of that is work and I'm starting to track it and it feels really good to track all that. So that has been fun. I can't remember if I mentioned it, but I'm using Top Tracker, which is free for life and um, I'm, not, I'm enjoying it. It's really kind of turned my brain around and uh, right now I'm tracking this time under podcast, How Do You Write? Um, the other podcast that I started with Jay Thorne called The Pedal to the Metal is hilarious and fun and you should go check it out. It's also very short and sweet and we have a raucous time. So um, I finished those copy edits I was complaining so bitterly about last week. They went fine. They just took, you know, days, days. I never see that coming. So those are done. And the third Darling Songbirds is off my plate, off to Australia, to Random House, I will personally get it Americanized and copy edited for the rest of the world um, because I hold the self-publishing rights everywhere that is not Australia and New Zealand, as you have heard time and again. So that's what I'm working on. And also, because I'm recording this on January 17th, um, I, it's my book birthday. Yay! Everybody gets balloons and glitter, lots of glitter. Um, Build It Strong came out today. I wrote that book so fast and... I really like it. It's yet more proof to myself that the more I write, the better I get. The faster I write, the better I get, which is so strange. It doesn't make intuitive sense, but I think just the more words coming from your mind to the paper, to the computer, um, the better. And I'm hearing that from readers, some who got it at midnight and finished it in this morning, the same day. Um, they're really, really liking it. And that just makes me feel wonderful because I do believe in that little book and I'm so proud of it. So uh, book birthday is always fantastic reason to celebrate. Um, I'm still on this goddamn elimination diet though. So there's no celebrating in Rachel land. Uh, yeah, but you know, weirdly, if you don't eat anything, trying to avoid allergens for three weeks, you lose weight. I've already lost 10 pounds and I feel like I'm eating all the time because I'm constantly terrified that I'm going to starve to death eating this much brown rice and chicken and <laughs> spices. Sorry. Uh, dogs are squeaking toys as they do. So yes, book birthdays are important and special and they should be celebrated. Um, but dude, I've had kind of a lot of books now and 
I hate to say this, but the day does get less special. Um, the very first day that How to Knit a Love Song came out, it was my first book. It was HarperCollins. It was, it was everything. Somebody, I don't, I wish I could attribute this, but I can never attribute anything because of this brain of mine. But somebody said that, um, the day that their book came out, they walked to the front door and opened it and went out to get the newspaper and they saw the world going by everybody doing the same things that they always did. And they were astonished that the world had not changed that day. And that is what I felt on the day that How to Knit a Love Song came out. Um, I don't think I got a migraine, but I probably almost did just because of the excitement in my brain. I had so many well-wishers on Twitter and Facebook. And uh, this is where I admit to you, I may have admitted it before, but I don't remember, um, that I think everyone, when their first book comes out, they hope, <laughs> it's funny now, I laugh now, but they hope that somehow it will rocket up the charts and they will land on the New York Times list by the next Wednesday. Uh, the list comes out on Wednesday to be published on Friday. And yes, it's stupid. And no, it never happens unless you're already a big name or have a huge platform. But I think every writer has so much grandiose hope. I think we have to hold that grandiose hope in order to be a writer, which is a very difficult thing to do, um, that we hope that everybody falls in love with our book and that everybody rushes out to buy it and buys copies for all their friends. And, uh, and, and bigger than that, outside that, your first book coming out is the first time the inside of your brain has really been turned inside out. That's gross. Um, but you know what I mean? And everybody gets to see what's in your brain, see those thoughts that have been floating around, see those characters that really mean something to you that are so important. Um, and it's terrifying. It's absolutely terrifying. I remember um, somebody who had been reading my blog a long time read my first book at midnight, you know, it was done by 7 a.m. And I remember thinking, this is the first person who wanted to read my book that wasn't in the profession, that wasn't my editor or a copy editor or a proofreader or a friend. You know, this is just somebody who wanted to read my book and enjoyed it. And it's always, always the best feeling. And even today, as I launch my, it's either 17th or 18th book, um, it's so exciting that these characters, uh, whose names are Aiden and Tuesday, because I really fell in love with Tuesday as a name, um, are out there. And, and their love story is is making people happy and I geez I love that okay well that is enough of an update um my dogs continue to chew on things in here so I am going to stop recording this and launch you right into the interview with Gwenda Bond please enjoy and happy writing to you my friends talk soon hey you're a writer did you know that I send out a free weekly email of writing encouragement? Go sign up for it at rachelherron.com slash write. And you'll also get my stop stalling and write PDF with helpful tips you can use today to get some of your own writing done. Okay, now on to the interview. Well, I am so pleased to welcome Gwenda Bond to the show today. Hi, Gwenda. 
Hey, thanks for having me on. Of course. Just a little introduction for you. Uh, Gwenda Bond writes YA and children's fiction. Her novels include the Lois Lane series, which brings the iconic comic book character front and center in her own YA novels, and the Cirque American series about daredevil heroines who discover magic and mystery lurking under the big top. Her nonfiction writing has appeared in Publishers Weekly, Locus, the LA Times, and many other publications. She has an MFA in writing from the Vermont College of Fine Arts. She lives in a hundred-year-old house in Lexington, Kentucky with her husband and their unruly pets. There are rumors she escaped from a screwball comedy, which I would believe, <laughs> and she might have a journalism degree because of her childhood love of Lois Lane. <laughs> Welcome, Gwenda. I can I can guess as to the answer, but but what what did you love most about Lois Lane when you were a kid? Um, I think just that she was a take no prisoners, no nonsense, um, working woman, you know, yeah. like my mom, you know, she was like the first character that I ever saw in fiction that reminded me of all the women that I grew up around. That is pretty awesome. I think for a <laughs> lot of us, she reminded us of somebody we didn't know, but you knew women like that. That's really, really cool. <laughs> yes. I grew up with a, a, in a very small town with a very feminist mom. So, <laughs> so fantastic. And uh, for, for listeners who watch on the audio, I'm looking into your, um, living room there and i swear to god it looks like our living room we have that fireplace we have, we have that color wall we have <laughs> this is excellent I pre- actually the wall behind you is the same as our other room's wall so we so, clearly <laughs> if we ever need to do a house swap we'll just yeah we're on the same wavelength <laughs> we read all the same books about what colors are good for creativity and calming exactly <laughs> Exactly. And we both have blue hair, although yours is much bluer than mine is right now. <laughs> okay, let's just jump right in. What is the best time of day for you to write and where do you write? Um, you know, I usually write here at my desk. I yeah. have experimented with other things. I also like to write outside when it's nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I have, my longtime dream is to have like an outdoor actually writing kind of room. And we got plans for it, but it was too expensive to build. So <laughs> I, I continue to write inside. Um, but mostly uh, mornings have always been really good for me. Um, I now sometimes will procrastinate and write in the afternoon. Um, but, you know, it really is not so much the time of day as just when I have an uninterrupted space of time yeah. works best. Yeah, for going into that deep work. Yeah. yeah. Now, when you write outside, how do you manage looking at the computer? Are like so? I don't use the computer when I'm writing outside. That was I my next question. Is that an Alpha I Smart? I actually use this Alpha Smart Neo, um, which has a very small screen and it's just a keyboard and it doesn't reflect. Um, and those things are magic. Like if I'm stuck, um, you know, because there's no internet, it's nothing yeah. but a three-line screen. You just sit there and type. They are really something else. I have always meant to get one, and maybe. Maybe I will eventually do that. And they're sturdy, right? Right. They're so sturdy. I've had that one for like 10 years and it's, you know, and I've only changed the AA batteries once. Oh my gosh. Okay. (laughs) Maybe that'll be my Christmas present to myself. They're like, they're so cheap. Just go on eBay because they don't make them anymore. Right. you have to get used ones. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so so you write on that, and when you're at your computer or in the house, are you do you start off longhand or do you go straight onto the computer? I go straight onto the computer. Yeah. I am terrible. Um, my brain doesn't work on lo- that way on longhand. Like to me, that's a journalism. Like take shorthand notes. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, 
why I'm like too, for me, like the act of writing longhand is an act of remembering something. And so I cannot turn off like that sort of that part of my brain because I was, you know, involved in report interviews and stuff for so long. So I had interesting. (laughs) <laughs> it's just much more automatic. Plus, I have terrible handwriting. And so I feel like if I wrote longhand, I would be like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> <laughs> what what program do you write in? Uh, I write either in Scrivener or Word. Okay. Uh, pretty equally. Yeah, I kind of yeah. go back and forth between the two. I feel like there's almost time for like Scrivener to be supplanted. We're ready for the next yeah, awesome thing. There's a lot but... I still don't about Scrivener. There's a lot I still don't use. It's very useful for me at the beginning when I can dump a lot of notes and stuff in the yes. bottom, but I tend to, once I have a handle on the project, switch over to Word so I can see better how long I have to be done. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Good point. And how do you go about refilling the creative well? Uh, I, I am um, I'm very much like a consumer of other media. Mm. Um, I am very much like new music if I need to start a new project. Um, I love binge watching TV, uh, reading. Like after I finish a project, I usually will go to the library and get like, you know, 10 books. And, and, and even if I'm trying to go back to work, we'll just read. Oh, I um, love that. I guess it's easier now that I'm a full-time writer. I find that it took me like six months to get over the burnout of having juggled both. Mm-hmm. Um, now, like i find that because I can take walks and refresh more during the day, I don't get as exhausted mentally as I used to. We were just, listeners, we were just talking before we came on the air that we both worked the same number of years at our day job and balanced the two jobs for a long time, and we both quit around the same time. So, and I have to agree with you that I just used to spend so much of my days off trying to pump my energy up to the point it needed to be in order to do more of my writing work. And now it's, yes. it's, it's, it is so much easier. Yes, it is. It's just, it's like, this is what having a life is like. <laughs> I'm saying yes to people inviting me places. It's, yes! they're, they're like, like we haven't lunch, seen you for right? 17 years. Right. <laughs> right? Exactly. I know. I mean, really, honestly, it, it is like hard to overstate what a big transition it is. <laughs> it's so awesome. Um, what is the worst writing advice you've ever been given? Oh, um, probably I had a class and actually I'm friendly with this writer now, so I never say who it was. She's a local person who's great, but I had a class and I was very much like what I would call the Southern, I remember mama kind of like of of people. And it was like the first time I ever took a creative writing class at a local place. And I of course wrote something that was terrible, I'm sure about like vampires or whatever. (laughs) And and she was like, write about the leaves on the driveway or, you know, so she was a write what you know. And I was just like, no, I will not. (laughs) I never went back. But, you know, I mean, it was good, bad advice, because I was like, no, I'm not going to do that. But but, uh, I can, I'm sure what she meant was, this is terrible. So write something that's terrible in the way that I'm used to teaching. (laughs) Poor poor lady. She just didn't know what to do with you. (laughs) No. She's like, why are you in this class with all these, uh, you know, older ladies who want to write about their childhood memories? (laughs) Yep. Yep. That's hilarious. At least you didn't take it. (laughs) At least you didn't take the advice. That's true. (laughs) What what secret writing tip of awesomeness did you discover the hard way? Oh, gosh. Almost everything I've learned. (laughs) 
in a hard way. Um, I, you know, actually, I, 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 this was something I both discovered the hard way and had someone tell me, but I couldn't really internalize <laughs> it, um, which was that the most important thing that every writer learns is their own process. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. One of my first writing mentors in MFA school told me that. Um, and also another one would be don't go get an MFA because you end up with tons of MFA debt. But yeah. seriously, <laughs> yeah, that's I, huge. Yeah. I learned that one the hard way. Yeah, me too. Um, <laughs> I just paid it off last year and I graduated like 18 years ago with my I, MFA. I will never pay it off. I will be paying it off for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's a yeah. great experience, but no, yeah, that was not the, I always joke and say, when you decide you want to be a writer, the first thing you should do is go get a bunch of student loan debt. I I regret doing it. I honestly, you know. I that have had to like there were a lot of good things that I can take that I could say I took out yeah. of it but still if I had it to do over again I probably would not do it me too I learned so much more just just being in the writing world that's where you learn I agree so. I agree Interesting. okay <laughs> and can you give us a quick craft tip of any sort okay craft tip um so I would say like when you're starting a scene um, one, one thing we have a tendency to do is start in the reader's head instead of grounding the the audience in a scene where mm. the character actually is and what they're doing. And that is something that I often have to go back um, in drafts and do because it just kind of leaves the reader feeling untethered. Um, but it's yeah. very, very common. I just uh, finished revisions on a book about an hour ago and there were there were three scenes in that in that last uh, thing that I was doing today that exactly that just yeah absolutely yeah. a head in space no idea where they are yeah, yeah but yeah. it's so easy to forget it is it is and it's so easy to fix once you you know learn how to recognize it right <laughs> it like, takes it takes a minute of one more yeah. sentence you know or even like sentences. just moving like you know yes. I was in the room right <laughs> it's in there it's just down too low yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> excellent on really bad days if you could not do this job what would you do uh, international spy or yeah! <laughs> I can't believe no one's ever said that before <laughs> big right <laughs> what country would you spy in Ooh, that's a great uh, and uh, something an island like something, something that actually had very little political intrigue going on like but maybe like Rome and where I could just be like it's Ooh. mostly just be skulking around like it's and very drinking big. excellent coffee right <laughs> yes drinking excellent coffee <laughs> that's, that's my kind of spying I like you I've always known that a vac- I would, uh, the other thing I always say is that I would be a, a lady of leisure if I could, right? Like a wealthy heiress would be a good job. <laughs> How does one go about getting that? I need, I need someone to, I need I know. to know somebody rich. <laughs> and if you were starting over as a new writer now, what advice would you give baby Gwenda? Uh, I would just, you know, maybe Gwenda was okay. She was a little too focused on getting published at the beginning. Um, I would just say, like, make sure you, you know, make friends, like, be interested in other people. Like, don't, and don't play the envy game, you know, is what I always say to people. Like, you know, keep your eyes on your own paper and support other people because you will need them. This is a hard job. It is not for sissies. It is not. Did you see that um, author earnings report earlier this year that showed a direct correlation between the more you network, the more you make money? 
did not. It's actually I'm, a direct correlation. It does. It makes perfect sense. Yeah, it absolutely does. I mean, it's not the it's not the knowing people necessarily. It's the it's the being someone that people want to work with, right? Yeah, 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 exactly. And but it's also you know coming to mind when people think of other things and and well, I guess yeah. it's even bigger than that. Like I know when I have a problem in the industry, I have so many people to reach out and ask for advice. You know. And, and honestly, like, as I have managed to get a little more established myself, one of my big priorities is mentoring new writers, especially young women of color who are trying to break in. Because I think Fabulous. a lot of the advantages that I had and things that were easy are, are much are a level harder for yeah. those guys. Um, and Absolutely. that has been, I mean, it's just, you know, I definitely wouldn't be where I am without the writer friends who mentored me and helped me along the way. Um, so yeah, I think that's, I, I'm not surprised to hear that either. I love it. I love it. And what would you like to tell us about right now? What can you tell the listeners to go check out of your work? Uh, I guess I just, just finished, um, the third Lois Lane book, which comes out in May. So awesome. I would say like, go catch up on the first two because there are things that return and mysteries that are paid off in the third book this spring. Is that um, the third and final or is it still open? Probably. I mean, in theory, it's final, but you never know. Um, and, and also, I have a graphic novel that just came out. It's hard to believe it just came out in November called Girl Over Paris. What a, um, what a gorgeous book that is, too. It's standalone. Oh, my gosh. That was just like the best project. Uh, it was so great to work with. Who is the artist again on that? Ming Doyle, That's who right. is amazing. And Kate Leth wrote the script. I did oh. the... Uh, I did the outlines, and so, yeah. I mean, it was a great team. Even the letterists and colorists were great, um, and yeah, it was a dream team. And I learned Seriously. so much about my comics. So, yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Kate Leth is really, really, really cool. She is the best. Uh, we, we have long care. We, you know, she immediately picked up on like the gender queer character in the book, and it's like I want to do more with this character. And I'm like, that is everyone's favorite character, including mine. Like, yes, obviously. Oh, I can't wait to read it i don't have it yet but i'm, I'm going I'm like, to do whatever you want with her you know kate's like can she kiss a girl and i'm like of course she can <laughs> i'm in <laughs> but kate the thing about this isn't a spoiler i don't think but like the, the last issue it was three kisses three <laughs> that's awesome that is so awesome yay and where can listeners find you? Where's the best place? Uh, they can find me on Twitter, uh, posting pet pictures uh, as Gwenda. <laughs> and I have a tiny letter that's just tiny letter um, slash Gwenda. And I send that out fairly regularly. And I have the website, GwendaBond.com. I'm easy to find. I'm everywhere. And I'm omnipresent. And your name is unique, too, yeah. and beautiful. So it's and easy I to remember. And I immediately whenever a new platform shows up. So Me, too. I'm always you're fine. Yeah. And my, my name, Rachel, is spelled a little bit funny. It's like Michael. Yeah. So, so I generally try to grab both, yeah. which is kind of rude. <laughs> but like Rachel Heron spelled the normal there. way, still maps to my site. You know, Rachel. So there's Rachel Heron who spells it the, the regular way who hates you. Like I know name. she exists. And actually, there's a young woman who can't be more than 20, but she wants to be a writer. And her name is Rachel Heron. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Just be R. Heron. It's too late for yeah. you. Exactly. Use R in your middle initial. You're fine. J.K. Heron. I like that, actually. 
Well, Gwenda, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for talking to us. And I hope that you have very happy holidays and, uh, and, a, and a better 2017 than 2016. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> All right. Thank you so, so, so much. Thanks so much for joining me on this episode of How Do You Write? You can reach me on Twitter, Rachel Heron, or at my website, rachelheron.com. You can also support me on Patreon and get essays on living your creative life for as little as a buck an essay at patreon.com slash Rachel, spelled R-A-C-H-A-E-L. And do sign up for my free weekly newsletter of encouragement to writers at rachelheron.com slash write. Now go to your desk and create your own process. Get to writing, my friends.